attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I am your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwe History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwe for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week's guest on the podcast, Josh Carl. First of all, if you haven't had the opportunity to meet Josh Carl, you're failing. He may be the nicest person I've ever met. Legitimately. That said, Josh is a great guy. He is the middle of three generations of campers. His dad was a legendary camper, Howie Hershey Carl, who we will talk about a little bit during the interview, uh, as well as his sons now are currently campers. So Josh, while his camp career was not extended, primarily because of his athletic talent, He has some great camp stories. He's the middle of three generations. He's come to post-camp for years since. We had a really lovely time. Before we get to that, you've heard me tell you about it. The warnings are going away soon. Three weeks left. Get your orders in. Camp Ojibwa History Project Bricks of Fame. Go right over to the website, campojibwahistory.org. Click on Bricks of Fame. Get your brick orders in. Time's a-flying. January 31st, last orders. That's enough of that. Here we go. Josh Carl on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. state your name and yours at camp josh carl uh i don't know what i did yesterday so it's somewhere <laughs> 84 to 87 or 85 to 88 nice yes awesome and uh so how did you first find out about camp uh my father was a counselor back uh i'll get these dates wrong too uh, late 50s early 60s uh and i know I was an original backer of of denny and so uh, kind of been in the, in the family blood uh, from my dad then to uh, my brother and myself and uh, now the uh, next generation with uh, my kids, uh, Eli and Owen. Yeah. Uh, uh, who's older, you or your brother? Uh, I am younger, ah. so I answered your question. Excellent. My brother's older. <laughs> we got to it one way or the other. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm the better looking one, just on record. Officially on the podcast, so it must be true. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, your dad's name has come up once or twice, uh, especially from those 50s, 60s guys, definitely. He's pretty well known in the camp circle. <laughs> sure, sure. No, he had uh, great, great, great memories of it, yeah. I'm sure. So was that a thing where, as a kid, like, Ojibwa was not a question? Like, you knew it was going to be a thing? You know, very strange. It wasn't really pushed. I had always heard about it, and then my brother being five years older, I'd, I'd heard about it. But uh, whether it came to basketball or camp, I was really never pushed into anything. I just think I was naturally comfortable with it because mm. 
I heard about it growing up, and I heard my father's friend's stories, my brother and his friends. So sure. had a little comfort of, of going up on visiting day. So, um, you know, when the time came, um, there was no decision but, uh, but Ojibwe, but never really pushed. Nice. Yeah. Did you guys do, like, uh, post-camp or anything as a family? We did do that? post-camp. I have zero memories of it, basically. <laughs> um, I've been told we did post-camp. You're pretty young, I assume. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I was probably uh, three or four. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So, but I know we did it for several years. Nice, absolutely. I uh, I started staying for post camp a few years ago when I took over doing the video and everything. And uh, the first year, I just uh, needed a little extra time. It was the first year I'd done all that, and I already kind of did a lot at camp anyway. So Denny's like, "Why don't you stay for post? You can finish up." And I just fell in love with it. Like, it's a whole other world. It is the yeah. the greatest family trip uh, that there can be. Yeah. So it's uh, seems like anything you do on those grounds, uh, everybody just uh, relaxes and has a great time and everybody's friends and family. And it's, it's just, there's, there's something magical about the place. Yeah. And the grounds for sure. So when you uh, do decide that you're going to go to camp, did you get a, an official camp call? You know that I don't remember. Mm. It sounds like I'm pleading the fifth on everything, but well. uh, I don't remember official visit. I don't remember uh, anybody coming over. I just remember kind of packing up and I was eight years <laughs> old and I was being, uh, you know, I was going off to camp for, for eight weeks. Yeah. I mean, with your brother there already too, you probably are like, ah, eh, he knows. <laughs> he knows. The, the weird thing is, uh, he was never at camp one year that I was up there. So we never overlapped oh, that's interesting. In, in time, which, uh, I think we're about one or two years separated when, uh, uh, there was no overlap. So never got to be up there with him. Nice. Yeah. When you go to camp, what's the very first thing you remember about Ojibwe? Always remember it. Uh, getting off the bus, and it seemed like the second you got off the bus, you had to jump in that godforsaken freezing lake for the swim <laughs> test. And so uh, to go along with that, I am very proud of myself. Uh, when I went to post-camp as an adult with my family, first time a few years ago, I got over my phobia. I was not a dipper. Mm. Uh, I was not a waterfront guy. I uh, did not like the lake whatsoever, probably because being scared of jumping in in that freezing cold that's lake fair. for uh, for that swim test, um, but I got over my fear. I love the lake now. I'm uh, huge on the waterfront, so uh, I've gotten over the phobia. But that's I can remember the first time being dropped off, swimming test, freezing, um, but also just looking at the grounds and kind of, you know, you're eight years old and you get dropped off and you've heard about this place. It's um, kind of almost being in a fog and, and seeing it for the first time, being excited, a little bit nervous. Um, and then being shocked with the freezing cold water for the, for the, for the swim test. <laughs> uh, Catfish Lake is no joke. I, I can honestly say to you, I have not been in the water in probably 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> like, there you I, go. I did, I did all I needed to the first couple of years. I, you know, I got assigned a banana boat a few times, things like that. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of it now, however. <laughs> <laughs> I can sit on a pontoon if I need to. Right. Um, so that first year, what cabin are you in? I was in cabin three. Nice. Do you remember any of the guys you're there with? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Brad Sarnoff. We had Tex, who was our, our man from Tyler, Texas. Um, remember a bunch of people from, from that cabin, Gary Siegel, Brad Schiller. So yeah. still guys I'm friends with uh, today and uh, amazing, amazing counselors as well. So That's awesome. Did you know any of those guys sort of going up, like from school or anything, or was it a new... It's really weird. It was, you know, back then, um, camp was predominantly uh, Highland Park. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, um, we had somebody from Texas and California, but a huge percentage from Highland Park. I was from Northbrook. So at that point, there was a, only one other individual, Brad Sarnoff, who I, mm. who I knew. So it was, uh, even though it was some North Shore kids, it was, there was not a lot of people I was familiar with, um, at that point and then obviously became friends and 
Yeah. So forth. I just uh, interviewed David Fine, and he is a few years before you, but he describes almost the same exact scenario. It was almost all HP, and he was uh, just he and one other guy from where he was from coming in. Absolutely. Same kind of a thing. That's, that's how it was. But it's Ojibwe. You drop right in, and next thing you know, you've got your best friends. Absolutely. No <laughs> question. Become a family in that cabin. It was it was good to go through the next four years uh, with them, and you do. You become, you become family. Yeah. Do you remember your staff? Absolutely. I remember a bunch of my staff throughout the years, uh, you know, Tush and Teich. Those were, you know, nicknames, uh, Handy Andy Rashkow, uh, who uh, taught me my little routine for, for talent uh, talent show one year. Nice. Um, but uh, definitely the guy who stands out, who I'm still friends with today, is uh, Kevin Apter, um, who I loved Kevin. He's great, great, great guy. Um you know, funny story about Kevin. So I, I would run to the bus every year. Couldn't wait to see Kevin. He'd pick me up. Um, just had a real special relationship uh, yeah. with Kevin. And uh, I think it was my sophomore year in high school. Uh, that I got moved up to the varsity basketball team. And uh, sure enough, after the game, somebody's there who I hadn't seen in a lot of years. And it was Kevin. And uh, I don't think Kevin missed one of my varsity games for probably my, my three years I, I played and was at every single game. So that's awesome. Um, and there's, bunch of story brett bohm who was not my counselor but who i would always hang around with but we just had um amazing amazing guys who who were my counselors but you know kevin kevin definitely stands out and then uh i still have a t-shirt today that on the back says yo adrian back in those days uh there was a huge australian contingency oh sure and so uh, adrian was uh my first year and so from the old rocky uh, that, that's that's kind of what we would give him so it <laughs> staff it's what make camps makes camp still today and and once again these are guys i'm still friends with you know 30 some years later yeah it's that that kevin story illuminates something about camp that's i mean you know, I have a lot of kids every year, and I like them all most of the time. They're all great guys. But then you're going to have that handful of guys year after year that you just hit, you two connect so well with, and you're going to stay in touch with everyone. Age doesn't matter, whatever. You just find yourself reaching out and connecting. And uh, there, There's no question, especially with staff. And then, of course, the kind of the brotherhood of, of whole camp of, yeah. of, you know, I still look today, and, and, you know, the power is not just in kind of the guys you're great friends with. It's It's – you know, I had an issue arise uh, several weeks ago looking for somebody in the business uh, world and, uh, you know, pulled up a name, realized he was an Ojibwe guy, but had never talked to him before. Picked up the phone, called him, and it was like a guy who was there to help um, from that stand front that, you know, it's like we were best friends and I never met the guy before. <laughs> but it was the Ojibwe bond and yeah. the brotherhood that kind of brought that together. For sure. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so as a camper, what were the things you really dug? Uh, really like basketball. Um, yeah, I mean, loved basketball. Uh, now at that point has the, the transition started where to basketball being the sport at camp, because I know it's softball early on and I would say today it's definitely basketball. Yeah, no, I think that, I think at that point it was still, um, you know, I think, I know as you got older around those years, guys loved softball. Mm -hmm. Um, I still was, I think us younger guys, it was really unique. I don't think there was a sport that really stood out mm. i mean everybody just loved you know you were so excited to be on your team and competing that yeah. um i don't remember looking in, in you know obviously i really loved playing basketball but i see i felt like the guys we really just were kind of loved loved all the all the different sports so just do it at all yeah. yeah and then stuff you didn't get to play you know whether it was floor hockey was always you know, i didn't even like hockey but it was, floor hockey was great great at camp and then uh, box hockey obviously and some sure. of the collegiate week stuff so um it was it was all great but uh 
you know, and then games like pinners, you know, yeah, play well, out there all day. Were you already kind of a sports guy before you even, or sports kid before you even got there? You were. Yeah, I mean, I always always loved playing sports. Uh, yeah. Basketball was was the thing I played the most, and uh, had been playing a lot. But just uh, you know, back then it, you know, camp still known as a competitive camp, but sure. I think even more so. Um, I'm sure you, I've heard the guys and in the past <laughs> guys talk about the generations and the differences. But sure. um, yeah, I mean, you you were going, you know, especially back then if you knew you were going there and you're already into sports um, for the most part. Outside of that sort of camp wise, when you're when you're a camper, what are the other things that stick out? What are some of the other sort of not so sports based things that uh, stick out for you? <sighs> That's uh, you know, I'll, I'll go back to just kind of the camaraderie of of the cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just meeting, meeting these different kids. Um, you know, the whole idea of having the responsibility and, uh, cabin cleanup and the OJ fold, which I'm still doing, uh, <laughs> today. Um, you know, cabin cleanup always, you know, cracks me up thinking about it today and everybody's little chores. And yeah. back then I think it was, you know, highly disciplined in your bed, better be straight and sure. all your, all your stuff better be, you know, folded perfectly. Um, so, you know, that definitely stands out. I'd say, you know, as soon as that bugle or whatever the heck you call it went off and you had to sprint outside and line up in front of, uh, in front of the cabin. And, uh, I mean, you popped out of bed and, and you were sprinting out there lined up and then marching down for calisthenics and, and dipper shower. So, yeah. um, those were definitely, definitely, I mean, I got a list of stories and stories that go, <laughs> go on and on, uh, you know, getting caught throwing away my uh, medicine when I had strep throat in the garbage can and, oh. uh, Denny finding out about that, oh. uh, and the doctors, uh, there's, there's stories, uh, definitely a mile, a mile long. <laughs> now, uh, you, you mentioned the calisthenics, who was running the calisthenics at that point? Uh, my first year, uh, Al was still there and then, uh, you had Mac- Mickey and then, then Denny, but, yeah. uh, man, I, I can remember every little thing. And then I remember the, the choice of dipper shower and getting razzed if, which I did every single time. Cause I was, I was never a dipper. So, uh, you know, heading out to the shower and then waiting in line with everybody to, uh, as you were younger, most of the time getting that that nice cold shower. So, yeah. um, it was uh, it was interesting. But the calisthenics were were serious. I've talked about it with a few guys. When it comes to dipper shower, there's no in between. You're either one or the other, really. There's no guy who's like, well, you know, some days I do this and some days I do that. No, it's always one or the other. <laughs> Absolutely, a little bit of a badge of honor too. Yeah. And uh, but I'm I was proud that I was. Uh, I think I was more clean than the dippers for sure. Uh, that, that for sure. There's no <laughs> question about that. But uh, yeah, there's God. I mean. Remember guys in my cabin skipping rocks, Scott Solomon getting pegged in the head by a rock. Um, somebody didn't have the foresight that you shouldn't skip rocks with a kid in front of you. Uh, <laughs> Gary Siegel deciding to kill a bee uh, on the window. Um, forgot that if you make a fist and punch glass, your fist will go through it. That was a, that was an interesting Doc Knock and Rockin' Robin. Oh, sure. Um you know, obviously that was uh, always a always a sight to sight to see. Uh, <laughs> well, speaking of that stuff, so uh, one thing I always like to ask about is, as competitive in sports camp as camp is, it's also always had that other element, that entertainment side. Whether it's jubilee, minstrel show, stunt night, talent show, whatever, that's always been a piece, and always been a piece where guys who might normally be the jock, quote unquote, can comfortably get on stage and do whatever. And people actually love it. They don't make fun of them. It's all a very comfortable, great place. So is that a part of camp that you took advantage of? 
Um, I wouldn't say I took advantage of, but when, when the opportunity was, you know, it's like you say about camp, it's everything you did at camp, you did full force, you were competitive about it, you felt comfortable um, doing it. So, you know, I can remember my, uh, the year we won the week and dressing up as traders on the floor and, and um, the, oh, I can re- I can recite those songs. I will not sing for you right now, but um, I can. Your remember. stunt had to do with uh, the trading floor, is that? Uh, yeah, yeah. The the uh, the year we won it, yeah, I was with uh, with uh, Mr. David Rosen, and uh, yeah, it was a in uh, Jordan Shiner. Um, oh, it was, right. Uh, it was a it was an interesting stunt. I was young back then, but yeah, um, it it was uh, like everything. A little bit of nerves. I remember having to go. Uh, uh, in front of Paul and sing happy birthday so he could test out your voice. So, you sure. know, always a little bit of an awkward uh, moment if you weren't used to that. But <laughs> once again, I mean, I think that's the importance of camp. You were put in positions maybe that you weren't always co- comfortable in doing, but you felt comfortable. You challenged yourself. Mm-hmm. You got through it. You learned from it. And once again, if we take it to a higher level of why camp's important, I think whether it was on the field or off the field was something like that. Um, you had to kind of grow up. You had to figure it out. You had to test yourself. But once again, all in this kind of safe environment, yet still, you know, being being competitive. So yeah. um, all that stuff was great. Safe environment is the is the key word there. It really does. It 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 just gives a place where guys can just be comfortable to whatever you know, whether it's famously David and Darren kissing at the end of a, a play, or you know, yeah. like in what world could those two guys pull that off and everyone love it as opposed to sort of, you know, judging them, especially at the time. There's no question. It's just part of it. It's <laughs> no question. It's, it's, um, you know, and probably more important now in life than, than ever that, you know, I look at it for my own kids. It's a, it's, it's once again, it's where you can kind of create some individuality, but also teamwork, you know, learn, not always have mom and dad there to, yeah. to help get you through it. And, uh, you know, there's just there's just so many great lessons. I think it's more important now than it's than it's kind of probably ever been. And I probably have a greater appreciation for camp, uh, a lot greater appreciation now, maybe as a parent than I did mm. uh, uh, as actually going through it as a as a kid. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I love talking to guys who are the sort of multi generational because you see guys as much fun as they had with their own experience. When you see them talk about seeing their kids go through it and being able to sort of live vicariously a little bit through that and also see them have those experiences for the first time. I mean, it's just the best. Nothing, nothing better. Nothing better. It is. It's truly amazing. You talked about winning the week, which is not something everyone gets to do. (laughs) No, no. People take right. Did you just win once? Just once. Second place my first year. Um, Let's see. Yeah, just won once, but first, first and second place out of fourth year, so four years, so I'll take it. That's solid. Yeah. Um, maybe it's that. Maybe it's other things. Tell me a couple of good stories from the sports field. Uh, uh you know, obviously winning the week. There's, there's, there's nothing better. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say that was the pinnacle. But uh, I did have a, uh, a basketball game, so uh, it's funny. Some of the young guys have come up to me now when I'm out there and, and heard that the uh, scoring rule in basketball was changed because of me as much as I'd like to take credit for that was was not exactly the case but we we did have a scoring rule but for some reason they decided one year during the playoffs to get rid of the scoring rule wow um so I was uh, very excited I had a 71 point uh game and so uh, uh I'm still looking for the medicine man that had it uh I've got another medicine man with a different one but um I do ha- that that probably was uh and it's funny, I don't even know how the guys from the next generation heard about it, but every time I'm up at camp, there's definitely some of these guys coming up to me, and <laughs> counselors or whatever, uh, talking about that game. So, That's amazing. Yeah. 
do you think that's a camp record? I mean, because I, I know there were no scoring rules in the old days, but there was also so much competition that I don't know that a, a player could have dominated like that. I've heard different rumors. At one point, I heard it was. I heard there was somebody way back when who had 90 or something. Wow. So unconfirmed, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll say it's, it's the record. But, well, certainly um, the modern era record. We'll say that for sure. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll that's take incredible. It. Were you staff at all? I was not staff not at all. Staff. Um, yeah, and I, and I should go back to the comment we were just, uh, mm. the question we were talking about. Um, I think it's very important about today. Um, and we're always talking about the good memories and, and all the great things that happen on the sports field. I, I think the other one that stands out to me was my first year when I was playing third base in the championship game of, of Peach League. And I literally must have had 10 ears. Mm. And I remember sitting there praying that the ball didn't come to me again. And I was one of the, I was the youngest kid or one of the younger ones on the team and totally blew the game. Um, and once again, I think we talk about life lessons and some of the stuff we try to do at, at joy the game now, which I'm involved in. And it, it, I remember feeling horrible, being embarrassed, being nervous during the game. And, uh, it, it really stood out in my mind. And I remember after the game, the team coming up to me, patting me on the back, Mm. Um, and it's, it's something that stuck with me actually for a, for a long time. I remember, um, you know, the next year before coming up to camp because of that, working on my, my fielding a little bit and some other stuff. And it it just, once again, I think it's one of those, um, you know, life lessons and one of the negative experiences that we're all going to have in our lives, obviously that, um, once again, special about camp, you know, going through a tough tough period, whether it may be a tough game in the most important game and kind of having guys to lift you up, your coach counsel there to lift you up, getting through it emotionally, getting better, working on your game. And so, uh, you know, just that's, that's one of those other ones that really, I remember standing out to me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that just goes back to that safe place conversation that you could, you could mess up and you lost a championship, which, you know, you could, as competitive as people think Ojibwa is, you would expect, wow, that kid's not sleeping in the cabin at night. He's laying in the woods somewhere. That's yep. it. And instead, no, okay, game's over. Yep. Now we're back to being brothers. Let's pick you up and let's move on. Absolutely. No That's question. Great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. The Braves. Were you a Brave? I was not a Brave. So, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I mean, I, I once again had all this generations involved and my brother, um, mm-hmm. I only went four years, uh, made it up to cabin nine. Um, ah. and so, uh, was not one of the, you know, obviously go to post camp now, but did not have this elongated experience, right. um, at camp. So wasn't, but I remember, uh, obviously, you know, being put on silence. Um, I remember, <laughs> Uh, there was some very tall basketball players, Stokes and Payne, who used to uh, come up and visit, played at Iowa, if I remember correctly. Mm. And they were 6'9", 6'10". And uh, I remember being on silence and walking back from the woods, and these two guys, 6'10", jump out uh, in hockey masks, looking like Jason from Friday the 13th, <laughs> um, scaring the living you-know-what out of us. The following year, I remember being in our cabin and them coming out of the rafters uh, in the hockey mask. So, wow. Um, but it was – obviously, it was pretty serious. It was serious and being <laughs> put on silence and all that. It was, um, once again, going back to that discipline and, and, and you know, understanding kind of the history, it always, a, always a neat experience. Yeah. But, and it was not uh, was not able to be a brave. Well, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> one day, still. Sure. Still Listen, hold out hope. Honorary <laughs> warriors abound around these parts. Yes. Um, that's awesome. And so, 
now we touched on it before, but now let's get into it a little bit, talking about your kids. So now you've gone through the experience. Did you, um, how was the process of deciding where they were going to go? Did they get to decide? Were there options? Yeah, I mean, once again, I think kind of taking back from kind of how my father was, maybe never pushed them to do anything. We went to post camp, and that's all it took. I mean, yeah. they they fell in love with the place and got to meet Denny, and obviously Stu's involvement now, and mm. our Bohms are the close friends. So, um, once again, didn't even say anything, but the second they were there for post camp, uh, it was uh, it was a done deal. So. That post camp, it's a magical place. It no really question, is. no question. And the, you know, they also did. We did father and son, you know, mm-hmm. on the trip, which was which was great. And you know, they did all the stuff leading up uh, to going to camp for good. But yeah, yeah, there was no question. And they're loving it so far. Absolutely. I mean, I you know, not just sing it because we're here. Um, yeah. You know, e- Eli. It's uh, from the second he comes home from camp, he's watching the video as soon as he gets it and <laughs> already talking about next summer. It's, it's as he said, his, uh, his second home, if not his uh, first home. And Owen had his first, uh, first experience of four weeks uh, this year, second four, and yeah. absolutely loved it. So Nice. Yeah, they, they love it. And it's obviously, as a parent, uh, amazing, amazing to see. Yeah, Owen's uh, cabin one this year. That's a tough, tough to come in cabin one. No, no question. Coming in second four, cabin one. Oof. Easy. Yeah, that's <laughs> you made it through. You make it through there. You're, you're, you're. Uh, you, you're good you know, to everything's go. easy after that. <laughs> but no, he lo- he absolutely loved it, and uh, counselors did a great job, and just it was it was a great summer. Any fun stories about them at this point? Any uh, good camp related stories about the kids? <sighs> that's interesting. Um, I gotta think about that. Um, I think they've learned a couple swear words. <laughs> How's that? You know, that may be deleted from this conversation. Well, listen. <laughs> learned about a couple female parts, I think. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that may also be deleted. <laughs> like, now we'll keep the first part and get rid of the Right. There part. we go. There we go. There we go. I'm trying to think of any. They've. Yeah. I don't know. They just love, absolutely love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Talk to me a little bit about what you do in the real world and how that connects. Uh, so... Uh, do several things, I guess. We're in private equity and real estate and just kind of do uh, own, operate, and invest in all kinds of different uh, assets from restaurants to uh, sports facility and programming, which we'll talk about. So, you know, that's, you know, I would say, you know, what I think is important about camp is all these things it teaches you about um, about life and discipline and teamwork and going through hard times and enjoying great experiences and, and just learning how to deal with issues. So, um, you know, part of the reason I, I purchased Joy of the Game um, about four years ago, which is um, primarily a, a basketball um, business um, and, and, you know, sports facility. Uh, but kind of a lot of why I did it was, you know, through several experiences uh, I had in my own past that I thought could help in, in building life skills and so mm-hmm. forth. And camp, you know, um, can't say we've come close to executing on our plan camp's been around you know forever but you know when I thought about joy of the game it was this idea of how are we going to go back to really that joy of the game for you know kids at all different levels but Mm -hmm. it was really more about how do we create this brotherhood really kind of wanting to model it after camp could you over decades create anything where somebody says you know 20 years down the road I was a joy of the game kid yeah and and have kind of that brotherhood and network that I talked about um um, and for people right. who might not know, so it's a facility, but also there's there's leagues that go through and and seasonal leagues, I guess. Yeah, we have leagues, but we have classes after school, and then we have you know throughout the year eighty or so travel teams, gotcha. AAU teams. Yeah. So it's it's camps, training classes, 
leagues and then, you know, travel, uh, basketball, basketball teams. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is. And that's pulls from sort of all over the city, right? All over. Yeah. All over the state. I mean, obviously a lot of North shore, but we're Waukegan, some kids from the city, Hmm. um, pulls. Yeah. Definitely pulls from, from all over, but you know, some of those skills that I just talked about similar to camp, but I also think there's some huge differences that make camp more important today. So, uh, you know, obviously, feel very strongly about joy of the game, but that's a lot of programming. And I think you've got to have a very good balance these days. The The kids are somewhat over-programmed. Yes. Um, sure. Definitely. Um, so uh, camp is, I believe, more necessary if your kid wants to do it in the right place, that, that ability to get away from the minute-by-minute programming and mm. let the kids have some independence Um Yes, camp is competitive, but it's not the same level of AAU basketball. So I, I right. really think, um, like I said earlier, I have such an appreciation for camp more so between the technology and the programming of kids, all the extracurricular activities. Um, they need some downtime. They need to find them, find themselves, find that individuality. Yeah, you know, sure. um, so I, th- I think, you know, as much as they're very similar, I also think they're very different and both very important and needed. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your dad. <laughs> uh, what do you want to know? Um, <laughs> do you know how he got to Ojibwa? How he ended up there? That's an, you know what? I do not know that. Um, no. I if don't. there was like a family connection or if it was just, nope, I'm going to camp. Yeah, and honestly, I've never heard the story of how he got up there. But I know back in those days, I actually just saw one of his best friends the, uh, the other night, who old-timers will know, Ronnie Rubenstein, who is known as really? one of the, uh, yes. Uh, I would love to please pass along my information for the project to him. I would love to get in touch with him and see if he'd want to, because his name also has come up as you okay. were just about to say, yeah. one of the best athletes. Okay. We um, will get, we will get Ronnie on. Yeah. I was just with him. So he was actually telling me, he was telling me, yeah, your dad used to stay, steal food from me at the mess hall. And that's how he got the name <laughs> varmint. And which I guess is some Yiddish word. And so, um, we'll, we'll have to look, we'll have to look that up. But, you know, I know back in those days, there were some of the best athletes and best right. basketball players. Um, I've had people tell me there was a starting five of basketball players back then that could have beaten anybody literally in the country. So, wow. um, you know, I didn't get tons and tons of stories. Um, but I just, you know, I know back then very competitive, fantastic athletes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it made, it makes a lot of sense that, like you said, those guys were the cream of the crop athletes in the city that were going up there. No so question. it makes sense that if he was already a standout, that that's where he'd go. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, and then he's a legend at camp. There's no question. I mean, you, if anyone goes all time and, and lists five guys. No matter who you are, he's on that list for sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Great to hear. No, he he loved it, and I remember him always telling me about his experiences at at camp, and that you know that helped him at at the Paul, and then later in the NBA, and and so forth. So yeah, I mean he he just he absolutely loved the place. Yeah, I was gonna say, and it seemed like like you said, he really had a connection to the place. He eventually became one of the uh, early investors with Denny um, when the camp transitioned, and that clearly those guys did it for love. There was no one was investing in camp to make a ton of money or anything like that. It was a bunch of guys who, Hey, we love this place. Let's no help. question. No, that's yeah. like, you know, um, you know, I know he was, he was friendly with Mickey and Al and then thought very highly of Denny, obviously. And, uh, in the place and just, I mean, he, I, I, it's one of the few places I could see, uh, where he would just get up there and just relax and always had a smile on his face mm. and, and joking around. And I know it would bring up some of our cousins who didn't even go up there just to, show him the place and uh i know margie 
Uh, Margie's told me some stories about uh, him shooting with uh, Billy and Barry and teaching them how to shoot, which... Oh, nice. Seeing their jump shots, I'm not sure. <laughs> you should take any credit for that, but um, that's 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 what I've heard. Uh, in camp speak, I believe we would just say shots fired. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Make sure I get last word. I was going to say, they've already been on, so... Great, you're that's, why I'm, that's why I'm talking. So now you're a grown-up, arguably, and uh, my, at this my point... My wife would definitely differ with that opinion. <laughs> But at this point, uh, with camp many years in the rearview mirror, at least your camper experience, how would you say camp in the big picture impacted your life? Uh, immensely. I mean, you look at the building blocks of who you are as a person. And um, once again, I think um, it was one of the bit- biggest building blocks in my life, not only from relationships um, today, which I have numerous, numerous ties to individuals from camp that have helped me in life, um, all together, those building blocks of skills, you know, I would be homesick. Sometimes I would cry. I would make mistakes. Like I talked about, uh, on the, on the basketball uh, court or baseball field. Um, but you know, there's a couple really prominent things that happen. And, and I think camp definitely fits in there of once again, being away, mm. especially at a young age, dealing with issues, having to get along with teammates, having to live with people for eight weeks. There's, you know, if there aren't issues, then there, there must be a problem because there's no way to live with a bunch of kids uh, for eight weeks and, and not have issues. So once again, developing those life skills, um, you know, are, are so huge. And I think the earlier you could get comfortable with that, I think the better, yeah. um, you know, makes for you being, being prepared for life. The last thing I always ask is just tell me one or two great stories. Huh. That's, uh, that's a, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, you know, I think I've already talked about, uh, several of the, of the fun stories I, I had, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think when I brought my family up for post-camp, um, just seeing my kids' faces, my wife's face, who had always heard about this part of my mm-hmm. life, but never saw it. And my father who passed away, uh, about a decade ago and I hadn't been up there, kind of just brought everything together the generations my father's death my kids my wife kind of the people who are most important in my life and kind of seeing their faces at that point and um it was just it was an incredible thing of all those stuff going and remembering my childhood too sure yeah. so in kind of one moment i think in about 30 seconds all the generations all the p- people who are important in my life um it kind of all came together in that one moment i remember it being you know emotional sure. special unique and that was a point I think where I said, wow, the appreciation as your kid, you know, you go through things and you have fun and you don't realize, I think once again, that, that first time I I had the whole family there and and felt all that was just really a powerful and kind of put everything together of what this place meant to me because it's people ask you about camp. It's somewhat undefinable. Some people even go up for the first time. They go, "Eh, these cabins aren't so nice or that hasn't (laughs) been painted in, you know, 50 years. And, and, and once again, that's what makes camp so powerful. Yeah. You know, we live in this age of material things, and what makes camp so special is everything that's not material and what's important in life. And once again, I think that's that moment really, really was special. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, yeah, no, that's that's definitely one. Um, you know, after that powerful moment, now we'll get back to the uh, <laughs> you know, ego of the seventy-one point game and rubbing it in Ronnie Some... Friedman's face, who was supposedly the best athlete at that time guarding me. Uh, I will not. Uh, I will. I will not. Uh, definitely not forget that. Probably 
the other magical moment, I, I remember uh, Ponch, and I told Ponch a story when I hadn't seen him in about 30 years. Uh, played in a lot of powerful basketball, interesting basketball games in my life, and um, I can remember my first basketball game at Ojibwe, and Ponch kind of got me moved up to an older team, and it was, the lights were on, and I was this little kid, and I felt so cool and special and a bunch of people were around and it was mm. a beautiful night and I I kind of I could in my mind picture right now kind of the nervousness the excitement the lights kind of the smell of the place and the woods and just remember that being kind of almost like I had arrived this was like my first kind of big time game and yeah. it was a really cool experience that's fantastic. Well, I can't thank you enough. This has been awesome. Thank you, um, Thank you for coming out. This is really cool. Appreciate it, and you do great work, and this has really been a, it's, it's a unique project, and glad somebody took the time and effort to, to put this together. So thanks for everything you're doing. For sure. Thanks. Okay, that was it. My interview with Josh Carl. Fun times. We talked a little bit about his dad, about his kids. If you want to hear a little bit more about his dad, I'm including a link on the podcast this week. You can click over and actually Hershey's obituary is really cool. There's some really cool stories about him there. So I've linked to his obituary. Check it out. Great stories about him. Also, Josh was kind enough to share with me. When he was a camper, instead of writing letters back and forth home, they would record on audio tapes and send back and forth to each other. And he was kind enough to share a couple of them with me. So head over to the website, campojibohistory.org, click on sounds, and you'll be able to check out some snippets from Josh and his brother riding back and forth to camp. It's pretty amazing. That's it for this week. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, you know how, campojibohistory.org, or send me an email at Christopher at campojibohistory.org. Hope you're having a great new year. We're going to get out of here. It is another balmy day in New York City. I'm starting to think it's never going to snow. So I'm going out to have a cigar. <laughs>